Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham and joining me, it's fellow Formula E enthusiast, it's Luke Holmes. Number one fan, actually, Graham. Mm-hmm. That's I'll why, have you know. That's why we're watching it right now as we, we record this. Re- rephrase that. I've just locked my phone so I'm not watching it. <laughs> I would have it on if it wasn't ridiculously hot, to be fair. But, yeah. How are we doing? Not too shabby yourself. Uh, again, carrying on the theme from last week, melting. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually stocked up on some... I got some... I got some lemonade. It's like when the sun comes out, the lemons come out. And oh yes, in both senses, in many senses. So I've got a well, I've got a thing of uh, Club Shandy Zero. And okay. while I'm enjoying this, I put some put some lemonade in my water bottle, stuck it in the fridge. And that's, when I take when I take it out, it's gonna be nice and cool. So I'm gonna try and do that more. Like overnight, just put my water and lemon in the fridge. And then the next day, it's nice and cold. Got a plan for these things. Yeah, I wish I'd have got some Fanta Lemon, because that is my go-to drink when it's when it's red hot. Fan- I love a good yeah. Fanta Lemon. Fanta Lemon's fantastic, but there's no Fanta Lemon Zero. Why would you want Zero? Trying try to be healthy. Yeah, but you're drinking some of this full of bad things anyway. It's just, eh, might as well go all out at that point. Nah. Anywho, uh... <laughs> A quiet week of Formula oh. One. In fact, virtually nothing has happened that is uh, of interest, really. Uh, and again, you don't need, you don't need us to tell you that racism is bad if you're following that Aston Martin story. So, again, you can look that up if you want to. But again, you, yeah. don't, you don't. Although I didn't really enjoy people comparing the Red Bull thing to that. It's like no, I didn't either. Yeah, people are just looking. It's it look. It's quiet. People are looking for something to complain about, and there's a lot. There's a lot of Red Bull hatred, mostly from, as you'd imagine, uh, Mercedes fans and Lewis Hamilton. And if you're, it depends what side you're on the things. And I'm, I'm sure. I think Netflix Netflix has perpetuated this. Uh, uh, this I guess a, a more agenda. If you know, if you're a Mercedes fan, then the Drive to Survive series are only extend your you know your dislike of red bull and what they do so yeah uh, and then there was you're an actual fan like us yeah <laughs> and then there was the people weren't happy about the helmet again people were just looking to claim the helmet marco comments and if you knew anything about again if you knew anything about f1 you would know that marco spews his mouth and you should really not take much of it seriously so yeah it, literally anything that guy says you just literally take with the biggest pinch of salt possible because it is I want to say 9.9 times out of 10 full of shite. There is like the occasional thing where he says something actually okay. Yeah. So if you want to go talk about that or go mad about that, go nuts. But yeah, I don't think we need to really address it because it's just, yeah, it is. It's just what it is. We know know what that story is. No. Uh, Anyways, speaking of stories, really nothing much in the F1 sphere. Although there was a little piece that came out over the week about the 2023 rules regarding porpoising. There's a piece on racefans.net about how F1 is planning to press ahead as from Keith Contine and Claire Cottingham. Uh, F1 pressing ahead with its plans to address the porpoising phenomenon. Uh, But they're also trying to put in place stuff for 2023, but also obviously this year as well from Spa onwards. So... uh, they, race fans got a statement from the FIA which says the FIA reaffirmed its strong commitment to reduce and hopefully eliminate the issue in the near term as it is considered to be a significant safety matter. It is responsibility and the prerogative of the FIA to intervene for safety matters and the reason and the reason the regulations allow such measures to be taken is precisely to allow decisions to be taken without being influenced by the com- com- uh, competitive position each team may find themselves in. Uh, they described the and the, so the FIA described the SPA changes as short-term measures which are not considered necessarily to be long-term solutions to the problem. It also considers it likely that the porpoising will worsen in 2023 as teams improve their car designs and generate more downforce. They also said that uh, 
while it has been noted that porpoising, quote, has been has seemingly reduced in the last few races, end quote, but pointed out those events, quote, took place at circuits where the effect is expected to be lower than normal. Races where this effect is expected to be higher will take place in the coming months. So those are the short-term measures. And then the long-term measures that are from 2023, the FIA has therefore proposed four changes to its technical regulations for 2023 to further reduce porpoising. Four changes have been submitted to the FIA World Motorsport Council for approval. Two changes will take will, will alter the design of the cars. The floor edges will be raised by 25 millimeters and the underfloor diffuser throws will also be raised. The FIA will also give itself better means to ensure the compliance of cars. A more stringent uh, lateral floor deflection test will be introduced and cars will be fitted with more accurate sensors to help quantify the aerodynamic oscillation. So, just because apparently, yeah, so basically the upshot of that is basically just because it's seemingly less over the last few races, FIA seem to think that it's going to rear its head again and that it could even worsen. That's an interesting stance because there's a lot of like very smooth tracks coming up. So I don't see how that's going to happen until we get to the very, very latter stages of the season with places like Mexico and Brazil and even and especially Cota. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be awful there for Porpson. So I'm not sure on that one. I am very interested to see what it's like at France because mm. l- quite a lot of straight line stuff there, especially, you know, heading down to... Uh, down the Mistral Strait and towards then towards scene corner as well. Yeah, literally, it's, it's a good thirty seconds of full throttle, pretty much. Basically, if you take out that chicane, it's a very long, long time to go. So that's going to be a big test. But it, it does help that it is kind of flat as well, so you do get a consistent surface all the way around, I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting that you know they they think that it's going to come up again and it's going to get worse. Interested to hear the likes of Horner's takes on this, uh, given that he's been on the he's been on the, in the position that it's a car issue, not a F one safety issue. That's mm-hmm. how you build your car, and I do, and I do tend to agree with that to an extent. Yeah, so uh, do I. Um, I thought it was interesting that you know Mercedes were complaining about this whole thing, and then it admitted that they ran their cars too too dangerously in Baku, which was yeah, that that was their own fault. That was ridiculous, although they were. Yeah, you could see. I've seen stills of how low the Rebel is, and then how low the Mercedes Mercedes was. It was miles miles different. It was virtually scraping along the floor. It was stupid. Yeah, I don't like. I don't get it, man. Like you complain about the phenomenon to begin with, and then in retrospect admit that oh, we were too low. It's like. But did they do that on purpose to warrant this change coming in? There was to, a like, sort of forced the FIA's hand. Uh, there was a lot of Merce- there was a lot of Mercedes uh, quotes afterwards about basically about that essentially i know russell was leading the charge on that as well and you had the, was. you had the hamilton barely you know barely getting out of his car which i i, I sort of like i'm 70 percent sure he, he wasn't faking that he did play on it a little bit but oh definitely I'm, like i'm not, again, definitely got absolutely shook to death again like we said it's not that it, like it's not saying they don't feel anything of course it was sore i'm sure he was in pain but again like i've said before hamilton does love to milk when he's struggling with something be a pain or illness he will make sure everyone knows about it yeah i guarantee like if he ended up ended up winning the championship this season that would be like one of the moments where they flash back to where he's struggling to get out of the car and now he triumphed his way back to the top well remember remember there was talk that oh he could miss the canadian grand prix possibly Mm. so yeah it's a so again it's whether you think it's a car issue or an fia issue or somewhere in between i lean towards 70 percent car issue and then 30% 30% you know so, safety, yeah. safety issue mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's, I, I'm in that part because ultimately again you know if you're if it's if you're concerned for safety then the the solution is very obvious Every, the solution's out there for everyone you know just raise your car uh, or change your philosophy design wise to make it so that you know your car your drives aren't shook to death and just design a good car basically because people just don't, people don't want to give up performance that's all it is, that's all there is to it which I understand, but at the same time, he's got, he's got to sort of come to a point where you're like, mm, this may be a bit dangerous. You can't complain about it while also having the solution right there in front of you as well. Yeah, you can't you can't eat, have your cake and eat it, I guess. So, yeah, that's a, that's a perfect way to put it. So, yeah, interesting that they're not backing down on this, F, the FIA. So, I, Which I, is good, I think. I mean, if you say it, yeah, I mean, if you say it then stick to it. I, I do hope it favours Red Bull just because they're the one that didn't want it. And everyone, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... 
Mm. It's like, well, you you guys made this happen, you know? You were the ones complaining about it, and it's advantaged us, and now it's just shove it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I do, because, yeah. again, some, like, it has mostly been Mercedes. I know there are other teams that struggle with this as well, but Ferrari have not... Well, Science has been the vocal one more so than Ferrari. Yeah, you say it's not been Ferrari, it's themselves. But, probably... uh, you know, it has been mostly Mercedes have been the, the main ringleader talking about this, even if other yeah. teams agree. So I do hope that a teams that aren't struggling with it as much benefit more, but we'll see. Well, could you imagine if Mercedes have to run the car a meter off the ground? <laughs> <laughs> Basically drive around on stills. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's, we hadn't really planned to talk about that, but yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, why not? Let's move on to, uh, unless you have any other random thoughts, uh, move on to F3 slash F2 from Austria, given that we had a chance to uh, take a little break. Uh, mm. Let's start with F3 first. Uh, any, what's your major takeaway from F the F3 action in Austria? Uh, Prima are back, baby. I thought was my main takeaway. They actually did an all right job. Crawford winning the first race, if I'm not wrong, in that. Yeah, Crawford won the first race. Although I do think he two two things have really broke his way. Uh, Juan Manuel Correa retiring from the lead, and yes. then the safety car when Kyle Collette was out of DRS range, uh, which brought yeah. the field back together. So again, no guarantees that Correa would have gone to win that race. No guarantees Collette would have gone to win that race. Also, no guarantees that Crawford wouldn't have won that race. But a uh, few things have broken his direction. But yeah, look, it was a good result for Crawford. Crawford's in fourth place on 70 points. He's not too far uh-huh. away from... Pre- yeah, it's been weird, hasn't it? Like he was, he was nowhere in the first two. And then he suddenly just became a little bit more consistent than Behrman and obviously Leclerc's all over the place all the time. Either getting involved in an incident or just not qualifying well. I mean, it which is, he actually managed to qualify well. He did, time. actually, yeah. It's fairly consistent from Crawford. Like, he, you know, he had six points in... Bahrain. Then he had the big one was in Imola where he had 26. He got 18 then in Barcelona, 10 in Silverstone, 10 in Spielberg. It's kind of just chipping in. It's not spec like it's not massively spectacular compared to the other guys ahead of him. But yeah, it's he's just kind of chipping in there. Yeah, and I think he's sort of one of them that's sort of building himself up so that he makes the step up to F2 next season. He's like there's like four or five in there that I think right. These guys are ready. It's time. They need to go up. Yeah. And it, come the end of the season, that is. It will be them five, purely. And there'll be one rookie in there, I think. Yeah. No, it, only one rookie. It would be, yeah. Like, I'm thinking, I'm in terms of stepping up to F2, I'm thinking this, the, top, the top six, really. Uh, and look, there, there's always a few drivers that make the jump from outside the top 10. We saw that with Awasa, who's shown that, he, he's, shown that he's, belong, he's belonged. And Cordial, yes. The more surprising one. We'll get to that. Uh, so the, the ones I'm talking about for F2 then are Martins, Hadjar, Leclerc, Crawford, Stanek, Behrman. Now, you see, I didn't put Behrman in that. I think he'll get stuck for another season just because of how Prem is stacked up. You, you're probably right. But I, I think Behrman is making real strong headway lately. Uh, 10 points yeah. in Spain, 17 in Silverstone, 15 again in... Austria and had he not got a little bit exuberant in Austria that could have been even more in Austria yeah and same in Bahrain yeah sure <laughs> when, when he had the wind took away from being a little too overboard with the uh, trial limits mm-hmm. he would be right in there he really would so, so I guess but it literally depends where he can get placed I mean look we saw we thought Martins was F2 ready last season and he ended up staying a bearman could be the same situation as well maybe Collat maybe I think he's sort of in limbo where he's he needs to have a good end to the second half of the season, I think. Yeah. So probably have a shot. And I but I don't think he'll he'll probably end up getting dropped. He's on eighth um, in thirty with thirty nine points. It's it's literally between him and Coldwell to see who gets uh, shoved up really. Well, Coldwell's not really done anything, but probably be better off in a better team, I guess. Mm. Uh, my main takeaway was Isaac Hadjar. Uh, yeah. feature race winner in those wet conditions looked like he was struggling a little bit in the feature race and then then just pulled away from Martins uh, Hadjar now has won he's won a few races now to be fair at least three uh, he won the he won one of the sprint races I think it actually doesn't yeah yeah I think he won the, he won the first race of the, I think he won the first race of the season in Bahrain 
and actually that might be it. Oh, he won Silverstone as well. Yeah, I was going to say I'm pretty positive he won in Silverstone. This is his first feature race win, though. Yeah. And it puts him just one point behind Martins, but uh, really... Well, I don't think... Mm. Go on. I was going to say I don't think he's been brilliant this season, to be honest. Martins? Mm-hmm. He's won two. Okay. He's done. Two, he's won two feature races, and he's finished second in the feature race as well. Yeah, but I, like last season, I thought he was better than this season. Last season, I was like, right, he's, this kid's good. This kid's got got what it takes to get up there. But this season, he's just been all right. He's not really blown me away. He's also won two. He's also had two second place finishes in sprint races as well. Mm. Um, I think he's been much better than his his rookie season. He's made far he's made far less far fewer mistakes. He's won he's actually won feature races now. He's qualifying very well. Uh, I just think it's very competitive in F three this year. It is. It is very competitive. You know. Uh, so and I think Hajar is legit. He's well. he's in the Red Bulls next F one driver. I think. If he continues on the way he is, it's either he's the one to watch for. Yeah, it's either if Hager can have a stellar uh, year two in F two. Yeah, and then Hadjar, I think, is your other your other prospect there, really. Yeah, or mm. again, maybe maybe Crawford a few more years from the down the road as well. Yeah, Hadjar and Crawford are both very young. I think they're both only seventeen. So. Yeah, and then you've got Behrman in the mix here as well. Not Red Bull, obviously, but uh, Behrman. How I I think yeah he's he's been I think he's been quite aggressive these last two races with uh, the last two rounds in Silverstone and and Austria I do think he was a little he was right to be aggrieved that Leclerc kind of squeezed him into Zayn Maloney yeah and then Behrman got the penalty for it which I didn't understand yeah I actually thought it was Behrman's fault at first but having looked at it like, I actually looked at the game before we came on and yeah it really was. Uh, I think it's just Arthur, but yeah. The clerk really just squeezed Bear. I think, yeah, Bearman obviously then Stanek. Or sorry, Maloney has nowhere to go. A um, little bit better of showing from Leclerc as a whole, I think, across the two races. I want to see if that continues. He's, he's just seven points behind Martin, six behind Hadjar. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see if a, turn, a corner's being turned here. But All he needs to do is just be consistent, and he's got to drive enough too, I think. That's it. Pretty much. Like again, it won't be with Prima, I don't think, though. You don't think it'll be with Prima? No. I think, I think they'll try and... They might get one of the Red Bull guys in. I don't know. It literally depends what happens with uh, Red Bull's million drivers. I think Hauger... I think Derivative will move on. I think Hauger yeah, will Hauger's stay. Stop. And I think Leclerc will make that jump with the Prima just because of the, the Leclerc connection. Yeah, maybe, actually, yeah. Otherwise, I again, it, and it does depend what they're doing with Crawford as well. You make, you maybe put mm. Crawford up the year after, maybe. Yeah. So I do think Crawford, if he hangs around, could win an F three title. Yeah, yeah. If if he doesn't go up to Prima, then he will probably go to one of the bad market teams enough to have it anyway. And you're better off. Like we saw, Correa turn down uh, an F two drive, and I think he'd be better. He'd be, he's better off turning down. A back of the marker kind of F2 not, well, not back marker because not really back markers but back of the grid F2 drive team. for ART and F3 yeah have you been watching his vlogs by the way I have not they are pretty fun to watch <laughs> so a little behind the scenes things started them at Silverstone so mm. pretty fun uh, any other thoughts on F3 we've still got we've got a fantastic title fight with now Hadjar firmly in the mix here as well yeah, it's shaping up to be the the better of the two championships, I think. As as I don't know why after twenty twenty, I know we've probably said this four million times on this podcast, but after twenty twenty, F two has sort of died off for me. So F three is not my mainstay um, championship to watch on a Sunday morning or mm. Saturday morning. It's uh, a lot more entertaining, and it's just bad shit. Oh, it's it. bonkers! Uh, and I'm really pissed off that I, I overlay last Sunday and didn't catch the uh, the feature race well it was at like before thing. 8 o'clock no no it was all past it was all past 7 start wasn't it and yeah. we were probably up till like 3, 4 o'clock playing bloody Monopoly <laughs> yeah uh, also horrific weekend for Sharus with uh, Pitsy taking Shovenik out twice oh god and then blaming him they, for they it twice to, they just need to bin them two off they're both crap absolute pay drivers them too uh, I'll give Shovnik the benefit of the doubt is because he's this is only his second round. 
Is it? Oh, fair enough. I thought he'd been in there for long. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Pitsy, where is Pitsy? Yeah, I think Pitsy's, Pitsy's been, been there since the start. He's got one yeah. point. Who's their other driver? Who is their other say, driver? I want to say it's a, a semi-decent driver. Uh, let me have a look. Is it not? No, Stanek's Trident, isn't it? Stanek is Trident. Uh, oh, it's Lazlo Toth. Oh, God. Yeah, well, no. Shrews have got... They've got semi-decent drivers in F2, I guess. Well, one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. they did Sargent in F3 last season, but... Yeah, and he was all right, to be fair. He, he, got, he was very consistent. Good. Yeah, it's mm. tough that tough out for that one in F3. Uh, yeah, any other thoughts, really? Uh, obviously, a lot of... This is consistent across F2 as well, but time penalties, McGee. It was just the entire weekend. It was an absolute mess, and qualifying was an absolute mess as normal in Austria. Yeah. With F3. Absolute chaos, 30 cars trying to go around. I don't know why we do split qualifying at Monaco but not Austria when this is the shortest track on the calendar it wasn't it as no bad sense. do you remember a few years ago I think it was 2020 it was like ridiculous it was horrendous Maybe 2019. but still it, it's still it needs to be split it really does just two minute two to 15 minute sessions apiece and that's about it you, you don't need blooming 30 cars banging around the track it's just asking for a red flag and a longer qualifying session full stop yeah, like F2 was this, like, we can move on to F2 now with this as well, because, like, basically it was like, put your lap in and then see if it gets deleted or not. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, with how my work is, I don't get to see qualifying normally, but yeah, from what I've read, it was just literally, there were so many people going up and down because of penalties and laps being deleted and stuff. It was the only reason that Theo Porcher got into reverse situation, reverse, reverse grid, basically. Otherwise, he was, he was gone. Yeah, well, why. Another ART is on pole. I don't understand, but yeah, I mean, it ended up being li- meaning very little in the end. But yeah, what's but your, still? What was your uh, what was your general F two takeaway from from the weekend? Hauger's car, not Hauger. Uh, Vips's car had been sabotaged. <laughs> or every F two is doing everything to sabotage him. Honestly, they did. Yeah, uh, that man, they did that sh- man gets absolutely ruined. They did show an interview with him this weekend, at least. Or the last yeah, weekend, which I thought. Least. I thought it was surprising, yeah. Um, but it, the the um, the feature race was bad. Well, it was one of the better races of the season, I thought. Yeah, chaos with the top six. I think taking. I think for sure was the first one to take the drives from seventh or eighth. It was eighth, yeah. So top seven then went with wets. I think every did everyone else go drives behind them. It was basically apart from maybe one or two. Yeah, pretty much everybody. Uh, Crossover here by lap seven, eight, uh, absolute. They ended up having two races in the, in, in the end, basically, with those who chose to drive and then those who had to pit. But then, of course, the guys who started on drive had to make a mandatory stop anyways. So basically, yeah. it ended up being everyone on the same strategy, basically, just different, just with a tyre difference in terms of tyre life. Um, it was fun to watch. It really was. It was fantastic. Uh, Vichore ended up winning the race on track. Lol. And then got disqualified for not having enough, I think, not having enough fuel, to give an example. Yeah, he still took the trophy him though. <laughs> uh, why he didn't? He should have. He, had, he should have just slowed down. He had, I I, he had I so much margin to work with. We we I, I probably watched that race four times on Sunday night, and it was I, I still to this day don't know when he pit, and when, and why he didn't slow down. It, it literally made no sense to me. I think he had like a seven second gap come the end of the race. He could have literally lifted and coasted that entire last lap and would have still won by two, three seconds. Yeah. Easily. He could so have, that's on him for that one. Yeah, he could have managed his pace for the last, you know... Five laps. At least. Easily. Uh, all, all he had to do was just not break his heart going up the hill. That's all he had to do. Uh, Sergeant ended up getting the win in the end. Sergeant actually started on the wets. Because you think he qualified like third? Yeah, he was the only one that actually made that work. Yeah, he, his pace was rapid. Uh, yeah, Sergeant qualified third, did start on the, the the wets and yeah, had to make a lot of overtaking. He was like 13th like yeah. and like 40 plus seconds back when you know when the when the uh, when he made his stop and the such. So f- fair play, smashed it, absolutely smashed it, made that race his own. Fish have Enzo Fisher Paladin then and do you know what the thing is? I was actually looking the the, the highlights back. If Roberto Mary got past Jay and Deruvula, the substitute Roberto Mary for uh, for Ralph Boschong, Roberto Mary got his penalty lap 39. He would have won the race. Yeah, could you imagine that? 
I, I sent you this picture. I think I sent you a screenshot of him joining to replace Ralph for a race. And I was like, why is he back? <laughs> but to be fair to him, to say he hasn't been in an F2 car in three years, I think it was 2019 or 2018 was the last time he was in there. He absolutely smashed it. Especially, well, definitely in the feature race. Not sure. Not I can't remember what happened in the sprint race. Well, he qualified like be... he qualified twenty first, I believe. Yeah. So, absolutely on race pace, he was solid. I thought. Yeah, I don't know where it came from because, like, it went as he would have affected, like you know, basically, you know, towards the back. Experienced driver, so you know, obviously they've been thirty one or so. So you know, and being an F one at one point. Sure. So you know, it kind of like oh, he's at the back as you would expect, and then the race pace just. Yeah, like it just all came together. He ended up getting, he ended up falling off the podium initially with the five second penalty, then came coming back onto it with uh, his qualification and uh, Deruvula's penalty. penalty. So, I mean, and he deserved it, you know, like a podium is what he deserved. I was kind of disappointed for him that he didn't get the the, the podium on the day. Yeah, I, I was fuming when uh, I uh, saw it. But just one of the weirdest F two point scores, like scores of of the season. Like obviously, Mary and and in a podium, uh, he'd fit Pally second. Howgrave managed to get up to fourth, despite his weekend being not great. Uh, yeah. JQ finished fifth. Ollie Caldwell finished sixth. Uh, Nasani finished ninth. And I think Lawson had a stop on track and still managed to finish tenth. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So bizarre. One of those strange ways where like. It really didn't affect the championship in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Djokovic finished tenth, yeah. Porcher thirteenth. Yeah, they they were nowhere. They they really struggled in them conditions and got it completely wrong with the tires at the start. Mm-hmm. They, it was um, really bizarre. They did choose the wets. Uh, the only thing that really changed is that obviously would Sargent take his second feature race win in a row? He moves ahead of Porcher by one point. There's still thirty not like Sargent's thirty nine points. Sorry, yeah, thirty nine points behind Djokovic. Yeah, but I think alarm bells are going to be start going off now. Like, if if um, Piastri doesn't get that Williams seat somehow, then I think Sargent, if he carries on the way he is, surely has to be considered, right? It really depends what agreement they already have in place. Hmm. We've seen but if he ends up winning it, like yeah, this is the thing. Like, and we've seen we've seen teams go back on agreements. We obviously famously saw Renault go back on theirs with uh, Mercedes and Ocon. Yep. Uh, with Ricardo becoming available and signing Ricardo, so uh, I'm. But yeah, I'm starting to get more and more on board of the Sergeant hype train for F1 here. I really am. He 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 will be in F1 before Herter is, I think. Yes, I think you could be right. Depending on what happens After with Andretti Hurton. stuff, yeah. Yeah, even if even if Sargent doesn't get an F one next season, if Andretti somehow managed to get onto that grid, which I don't see happening, by the way, there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, talk about Andretti's plan this week. I saw as well on Twitter that he was sort of talking up his chances he's going to get another shot at it in the next few weeks. Even then, I don't I don't see it happening. F one, I just don't see Andretti being on that grid for a long time. And we had, I think last weekend, Mercedes and Ferrari were denying being roadblocks to Andretti getting in. Yeah, I, I, I feel for them because, I, of course, I want to see more teams, but I think he's gone the wrong way about it. Well, saying that, yeah, um, was, said. yeah, Gunter Steiner said that probably is not, it's not helpful when he calls them the snobbery. We talk about snobbery, essentially. That's typical American attitude, though, is it not? With that kind of thing. He might be right, depending on what wrong. the roadblocks are here. This, this is the thing, we don't see the full picture here. We don't know who's being a knob and who's not being a knob. So yeah. th- this is where it sort of comes back into us being out of context. I but mean, I would like to see it happen. And Mercedes and Ferrari having to deny the fact that they're not being roadblocks. When there's smoke, there's usually fire. Yeah, that's the thing. And nothing would surprise you with Mercedes? That. Oh yeah, if someone's blocking it, it's definitely Mercedes. 100%. 100%. Ferrari, I don't think are that bothered, really. I, they might probably want the prize money, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of um, a lot of different factors that come into that situation that probably make a lot less sense to us than it does to the teams. Yeah. Uh, but, all-American lineup of Herter and Sargent, yes, please. Yeah, here's the thing, I don't, th- I like, it's because, like, if you, if 
Andretti get in hurt at first in F1. If they don't, then Sargent is. I, I just look at it like that. Mm, that's the thing. It's, it's getting to a point now where there is going to be an American on that grid in the next three years, I think. Yeah, I'd only say maybe five years. Next five years, we'll see one. Definitely, definitely five. Definitely five. There is too many very talented American drivers coming through, yeah. especially in Indy Lights. There are some very good ones that I'm watching, keeping my eye on. Mm. So I want to see Sergeant how he finishes this before the summer break because heck, a bad race or two for Djokovic and he's right. There. Sergeant continues to pick up this pace. Like if he were to get twenty five point slice, say for example something happened in France and Sergeant won the race and Djokovic was like ninth or something. All of a sudden, like we're we're right, it's game on once again. So we're not there yet, but another result similar to that, and mm. I'd say we're 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 looking handy enough, and the momentum firmly in Sargent's favour. Yeah, which is surprising, isn't it? Of all people this season, I was like, yeah, he'll probably do okay, probably be a mid table. He's, he's a semi decent driver. Had a good season in F three last year, but then. He's, he's probably the shock of the season so far in terms of him, like, doing what he's done. I know it's only really been the last few races that he's come good, but he's been there or thereabouts, really. He's been very consistent. <laughs> if, you went into, if you went into a coma at the end of the 2020 F3 season and woke up in 2022 now to this, then you wouldn't be like, surprised okay. with Sargent. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. was, he, he did take Piastri, who is... Everyone talks about very, very highly, right to the final flag, essentially. Yeah, and the thing is, you're talking about that every season. You had Piastri, Teo, and Sargent in that fight. Heck of one fest. of them's already won the one. One's already won that F2 championship, and the other two in second and third. Yeah, you wouldn't even question it, would you? It's Vesti is the one who hasn't kicked on. I think Vesti was like 15 points behind. Yeah, even then, though, I th- me and you have both been on this drum for a long time that Vesti is not as good as people make out him to be. He's come good recently, to be fair to him. He has sort of, like, I think, understood the car a bit more. He's been better since Spain, yeah? Yeah, yeah. But I, I still don't think he's F1 calibre. Not yet. Yeah. Definitely not yet. Uh, any, other, any other takeaways, really, uh, from F2, really? Uh, no good result for Fitzpaldi. He's fifth. Uh, another another spin race win for Marcus Armstrong. He's making the habit of this. Yeah, and then gets taken out of the the feature race. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't I, I don't understand how they can be so inconsistent. Them high takes really don't. They're they're a good outfit, but yet they can go from winning a race to having one driver in the wall or in in dumping somewhere. It's, it, they are so bad. Yeah, so so bad. Uh, yeah, I have no other, other, other thoughts really on, on any of that. Although, yeah, like I said, the, the feature race was was very fun. Yeah, the only thing I'm going to say is Tao needs to up his game. He does. like He really does. This is the season where I think me and you both thought, right, this is Theo's to lose. This is surely he's just going to absolutely run this because this grid isn't really that good, really. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of semi-decent drivers in there, but not really stacked like it has been in years past. All the good ones are sort of been and gone, and then you've got people like Nassani and Amari Cordillo, who actually got some TV time. Graham, oh, shock of the season! He qualified like seventh. Yeah, and actually made the right call. I'll, I'll have you know, under the safety car to pit for dries. He was the right. He was the only yeah. person to do that, but obviously binned it or bottled it somewhere along the line and ended up finishing last. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in true Cordillo fashion. Yeah, Porcher has been somewhat disappointing because, like again, like it's just the talent that was there, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, you've, you said to me before the season that Djokovic would be the one to pull away and Sargent be up there. Yeah, I would have been surprised. Yeah, it's uh, not not gone the way we thought, but that's what I love it. Love about F two and F three. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's hard to predict, which is part of the reason why we like it so much. Mm. Um, but yeah, I have no other real thoughts on that, really. Do you want to move on to a? Yeah, Justin, Fred Vassar is considering where Teo Porcher will get his FP1 run for this season. McLaren are obviously in a similar situation as well. They're basically having a shootout, basically, for who gets their FP1 sessions. Oh. 
we I do have something to discuss, actually. Is this the uh, IndyCar? Uh, yes, it's the IndyCom mess. Yes, that's that we've got. You work away. So obviously, McLaren have got the lineup in IndyCar at the moment of Alex Pato, who we, me and Graham, absolutely love, and then not Alex Pato, Pato Award. What am I about? <laughs> Pato Award and Felix Rosenkist. Now McLaren added another third car to the roster for next season in IndyCar. And it's confirmed that Pato is staying on. And Felix has been retained under the McLaren brand. Now, that means he could be racing under McLaren's new Formula E team, which they have bought from Mercedes, or he could still be an IndyCar. Now, that's not been confirmed yet as which one he's going to be taking in, taking part in. So that's one to keep an eye on, I guess. But I don't really, not really a fan of Rosenquist, to be honest. I don't think you are either, really. I'm impartial, but I do prefer him than their other confirmed IndyCar driver of Alexander Rossi. Yes, who me and you both don't really... Well, I, I'm not a fan of Alex Rossi at all. But yes, the, he has also been signed up to take one of the seats. So basically, they have got three seats in IndyCar, and three of them are technically taken. Now, Chip Ganassi driver, Alex Below, and last year's IndyCar champion, was confirmed, I think it was Wednesday night or Thursday night, by Chip Ganassi on their tour, that he was going to be staying with the team for 2023. And then 20 minutes later or so, Alex Pelot comes out and says, no, this is false. I have not agreed to stay. Well, 10 minutes later down the line after that, McLaren come out and say that they signed in for 2023, which is absolutely bizarre. And then a couple of days later down the line again, Chip Ganassi are basically saying, no, he's with us for 2023. So it's, it's absolutely nuts of where he's going to end up going. I, I am lost as to what's going to happen with that situation. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, oh, it's a bizarre contract thing. The only thing I can liken it to is maybe Jensen Button's mid-2000s BAR Honda Williams mm. thing, where he wanted to drive for Williams in, I think, 2000 and... I think it was 2005. Uh, I think he was supposed to drive for Williams in like 2005. And B, uh, BAR basically, you know won that battle though you know his contract was legally binding and then yeah I, I don't know I, I can't remember the specifics off the top of my head but there was a, a whole big kerfuffle where there was supposed to be agreement and BR won that and then he's supposed to go to Williams then that was legally binding uh, but then Button had second thoughts because Williams weren't doing very well from 05 and, the, and 06 and the such and then ended up having to one of basically one of the more career-defining moves where he basically Button had to, I think he had to pay a pretty giant settlement basically to to not race for Williams because that contract was binding. But there was a kerfuffle about it. I think it was 05. Uh, yeah, it brings a bell with me, 05. I get, you can look it up on YouTube. There's a video about uh, this as well. Uh, but, excuse me, it's the, only thing I, it's the only thing similarly I can liken it to that off the top of my head. So it is a fascinating... Contract spits are always fun, aren't they? It's... Yeah, and that that lineup is hella fun, by the way. Yeah, Pelot is a very good driver. I think I really like Polo. His title defense has been a little bit underwhelming this year. Yes, but IndyCar has been a little nuts in terms of it has this this race just gone. Well, this race weekend that's about to happen today or yesterday, sorry, is um, the first time they've had a repeat pole sitter. So mm. and we've had we're eleven races in. Yeah. So is this? Absolutely all over the place. One of the more uh, 2011 F1 season vibes, I think, you get in, in there. Some very good rookies in there. Um, but yeah, if bearing in mind, Colton Herter just tested the McLaren MCL 35M at Portimao. Yeah, he was in well Portugal. <laughs> yes. Fair play. And then goes on and takes pole in uh, Toronto. Wash his jet And I'm bag. sure, yeah, and I'm sure this surely means that if Pelot does end up in McLaren, he's probably in the frame for a test at somewhere, yeah. somewhere down down the line. I think he comes into the shootout as well for their FP1 sessions. Because there's two of them, isn't it, that they have to do? Yeah, and I know Daruvla's getting back in the car as well soon. Yeah, I saw him confirm that on Twitter a few days ago. I wonder if he might move into their Formula E thing. Yeah, that that's probably a good fit for him, to be honest. He's, he's, I don't think he's quite F1 calibre, but there's definitely some talent there. Yeah, it feels like it, he could be shaping up for that. Like I, I think Ro Rosenquist now is if they get this pollute, pillow thing sorted, uh, 
and he drives with McLaren, McLaren SP, then that's Rosenquist in there from the confirmed. I, I yeah, unless Rosenquist has an absolutely insane end to the season, then I'd be dropping Rossi into uh, Formula E, and I'm sure he'd love that. Uh, Scott Dixon's a very unkind thing to say, really, to uh, Pelot has, <laughs> with all that. The... Yeah, there was there was talks that Chip Ganassi weren't even going to let Pelot finish the season, which I think is so salty. Like, so, so salty. But obviously, once again, context and us not knowing the situation and then probably not realising that he's got an agreement with another team is probably a little bit shocking, to be fair, as well. I imagine so that, well, yeah, they're probably completely blindsided and probably betrayed, which... Yeah, this is it's very Alonso 2005 vibes where he's won the title with them and then basically moves to McLaren for the next season. For the season or season after, mm. it's very, 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 very strange. Yeah, because you're driving the whole year, knowing that you're moving at the end of, you know, you're leaving. Six, yeah, it's mad. That it's, was, uh, yeah, that was the right decision, obviously. But yeah, I, I think Pelot is probably right to move on from that five car chip Ganassi team. By the way, five cars, ridiculous. Yeah, I, I think it's a good move for McLaren, like for to go to McLaren. I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think I think he's one of them that's destined to come back to Europe eventually. Yeah, it's like a Same car- with it's a career move. Do you know what I mean like you, you 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 move there and you've got a lot of different options open to you? It's it's a again it's I don't want to say family because that's that's cheesy, but it is in a sense because like it's an umbrella brand, basically. Do you yeah. know what I mean like you could end up going to Formula One, possibly you could go Formula E, you could stay in IndyCar, you've got Extreme E as well. There's a lot you can do. Yeah, obviously, if you go to extreme, then that's, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a different the, the worst case scenario. Yeah, there <laughs> are the, the four of them, but you know, like, like McLaren. That's a, again, it's a very, it's a big brand. It's a with lots of different options. So yeah, interesting to see how that gets resolved. Uh, yes, and that also does leave up a, t- a seat at a top team, and I'm sure, surely, surely someone has to be looking at Calamila. Surely. Yeah, because well, Kirkwood's going straight to flipping Andretti, which and I I don't even think he's the best IndyCar rookie. It's either Malukas, uh, is it Malukas? Lucas, 100%. Lucas, yeah, or and then I lost then. Yeah, and then you've got I think Minus VK, who's a free agent from this season end as well. Yeah, so maybe VK. Would you rate Lungard ahead of Kirkwood? Uh, no. Okay, but I think that's just down to the car. I think Kirkwood's got a bit of a bad car under him than what Lungard has done. But to be fair, Lungard's actually looking pretty decent these last two races. Yeah. Oh dear, that's a car park and a half. Sorry, there's a formerly is on still. Uh, is it? Oh, it's a mess. Oh, it's a mess. It's like Raskas, uh, Raskas McGee essentially. How oh, they're getting through? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just. So is the case in Formula. Someone bins because the tracks are so small. The tracks are ridiculously skinny. Like I, I thought, Singapore and places like that were bad, where you can probably get three car wide at some places, at some points on that track. But I, I honestly don't know how they get two cars in some of the places in Bonnet. Really don't. Yeah, it's a bizarre one. Uh, Shall we preview the French Grand Prix? I mean, if we have to, saying that it was actually one of the better races last season, but it in was. years past, it has been the worst. And I've seen rumours that. It is being favoured to stay over Belgium again. My God. Yeah. Now, I will say, I'm actually low-key really excited for this race this year. Because I think with these regulations, I think it could be a banger. It could be. Or it could be a massive flop. It could be. I'm going to say it's going to be an absolute ball fest, like it was when Mercedes dominated. I think it's going to be a banger. I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic race. I hope... I hope it is one of them where it's a mixed strategy because I'm fed up of these terrible tyre options that Pirelli have given us where it's basically a one-stop every race. And then when we actually have some strategy variation, like we did in Austria, it's actually a very good race. Mm. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I do think this could... I do think Mercedes could be quite strong here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That that was my thought. I think Ferrari are going to struggle here. Especially if there's porpoising issues. Yeah, that's that is literally my thought. The straight not having very good straight line speed and Red Bull being OP in a straight line. And yeah, Mercedes looked very good in the last two races on very flat tracks and this track is quite 
quite smooth. I'd say probably one of the smoothest on the calendar, to be fair. Mm. But this and Hungary are very, very smooth. So it's definitely going to be favouring them. Now, do you think there's enough in Sector 1 and Sector 3 to claw back an advantage in slow speed stuff for Ferrari? There's a lot of it. There is, that's the thing. This is all going to be dependent on what Ferrari decide to go with and which way Ferrari decide to go with the setup. If they like stuff it, we need to prioritise straight line speed, then no. But if they like, right, we're not going to be quick in a straight line anyway, we might as well go all out on downforce and get the gap up in sector three and sector one, then maybe. I think that Red Bull is good enough to compensate. I am more worried for Mercedes that their slow speed stuff is going to be their problem. I, I think their slow speed is the better out of the two. They say their high sp- slow speed. They say their high speed is by far their best. Which is strange because in, in Silverstone they were going purple in sector one constantly, and that's a lot of where a lot of the slow stuff in Silverstone is. Hmm. Which is strange. So, I, I don't know. Obviously, I think we're going to be seeing some upgrades here as well. Maybe not from the top teams, but there'll probably be minor things here and there. Yeah, I'm not sure what to expect. I do think in I think Mercedes will be stronger, but I think Red Bull should have enough to carry an advantage over everyone. Yeah, I, that's, my, that's where I was thinking. Unless we get some reliability issues extreme heat obviously the heat wave is sweeping across europe in the minute so i don't know if it's going to come into effect i haven't even looked at the forecast it's gonna be very dry in france very hot uh yeah he's gonna be a very interesting aspect of that race i think for sure definitely with the tires 100 percent. Mm. you know how pirelli is for cocking up and bringing too soft to tires like we saw in austria where it was just too soft yeah <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if that sauce might even just overheat on qualifying. They didn't That's really what like... I mean, just literally half a lap and he's dead. Yeah, I remember Portugal and Spain, we've seen teams in the past qualify their best on mediums. I can remember us on the F1 game doing qualifying on the mediums and it being just as fast as the softs, which is very strange. Yeah. Friends. Uh, what else are you looking forward to in terms of... Uh, I want to see... I guess just Mick Mick Schumacher hmm see if he can continue this aggression I don't think this will be a track that suits Haas but if I, th- I want to see this like feisty side that he sort of bought out these last couple of weeks where he's actually got stuff done and actually fought well in battles and we've actually seen him be annoyed with how it's gone obviously I think he was a bit frustrated after Canada with when he was probably on for points let's be real oh yeah and the engine went and then it's come full circle and now he's He's got some points and probably his best result in F1 for a good couple of years, I think, unless I sort of um, develop that car into the third best car, which isn't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, obviously, we saw a different kind of Mick Schumacher with, uh, especially post-race, with his his anger. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm looking... I want to see how Alpine get on because I I do think there's, there's... There seems to be some chatter and suggestion that they could get close to Mercedes. Which I think would be very interesting. Which would be fascinating. I don't know mm. how they do it. I don't know what the basis of those are, but I would love to see it. I do think they're the four yeah. quickest car, and this is their home Grand Prix, essentially, half. <laughs> I mean, it is an endstone base, but they obviously have a French operation as well. And, yeah, I think they could have a really strong weekend. And I'm very excited what they will do. There's going to be a lot of blue. Their car will look good on that track. And mm. I am excited for what their prospects are. So am I. Uh, I mean... There's, there's not a lot. It's, it's France is one of them tracks where I'm just like, a lot could happen, but also not a lot could yeah, happen. Yeah, that's it. That's it literally depends on who turns up with what. Right, Aston Martin are going to be shite. Yeah, Alvatari are probably going to continue that trend where they just don't understand what's going on. To be honest, Alfa Romeo will probably end up <laughs> losing a practice one session for yeah. both cars or something like that, and then yeah, and then be on recovery drive for most of the weekend. And then who am I missing? Uh, Williams, actually Williams. With, yeah. I think Latifi's going to have the upgrade this weekend as well. I want to say. Uh, so both cars will be running the upgrade? 
I thought he might. I wasn't sure if he had to wait till hungry or not. If he has to wait till hungry, then that's a big if, big big f. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what Al- Albon's car gets on here as well, for sure. Yeah, with that upgraded because it looked decent last week or last. He was race. a lot closer, a lot closer to the midfield. Mm-hmm. Not where he's outperforming the car. He's just in and around there and can actually fight for a change, which is nice to see Williams in there again. I guess. Uh, I'm trying to see what McLaren will do. Like, you know, how it's a very odd car this, that. This is going to be a problem track for Ricardo, I think. This is going to be Q1, not town, probably finishing 17th or something like that. This is not going to be a fun track. Yeah, it, it's the potential is there. It's. Yeah, a week where he obviously reaffirmed that he's not walking away. Yeah, after the constant rumours that he's going to walk away and more. It's the decision. The, 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 the decision is with him. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's one where he probably needs to bounce back and show. Yeah, I, I'm here to stay, and this is why. But I doubt it will happen because that McLaren car is just not fun. Did you see the video of um, Lando sticking his finger up at it because he just oversteered a little bit on the exit? Not a fan of turn three, hey? Yeah, that's that's weird. That is that's that's what happens when you commit to. Your futures for six years to a team with no outs, yeah. Well, you leave your options very closed, yes. Because he could easily be a Mercedes seat contender if Hamilton walks away in the next year, yeah. Or two. That's the thing, I, I still don't understand. I would have done a two year deal, fine, and then had plenty of outs in there. If someone met a buyout, then I was gone. Thanks very much, McLaren, but I don't think you're quite there in terms of getting back to the front just yet. Yeah, I think they will be. They they did think before the season started that their facilities and such aren't quite ready yet to be in that position where like Ferrari are. I, I think they're sort of banking on a partnership for twenty twenty six is when they sort of come back into the fold for the top, for the front of the grid. I, I think that's where the money can be pumped into the team and be then be ready, ready to rock and roll and not cock up a, a, a partnership with a major brand like they did in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anything else? I mean, they think they think some people think that track limits are going to be a big issue here as well. Where though? Turn one. Hey, well, sorry, the exit of turn two. two? It, that's really it, though, isn't it? It's turn two, and then the um, exit onto the back straight. I guess that's probably about it. Sure. Yeah, that's the one that really gets you on the F one games. So. I hate I hate that section so much. It's so bad. <laughs> it's going to be so clumsy in these cars as well. It's really going to be bad. I think it's going to. I think it's going to be a good race. I'm actually really excited for this French Grand Prix. Yeah, someone someone's going to go steaming up the inside of Turn One and going to cause absolute carnage. I think. <laughs> Are you thinking like Sebastian Vettel like? Yeah, someone like Stroll not looking what he's doing. Yeah, we're getting close to Hungary. He's I know, right? <laughs> I was just thinking of Bottas bowling for a sec. Yeah, but that's the thing. We're due one of them races where it just goes absolutely nuts. I know he was pretty nuts the last two races, but it's uh, in terms of the midfielders being at the front type of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Predictions? Top five. Mm. Uh, this is out there. I'm going to say George Russell is getting his first Grand Prix win. That's fair. But if it's going to happen, then I'd say this is probably the place for it to happen. Yeah. Do we think this, this is Mercedes' best chance to win a race all year? No. Hungry. You think Hungry? This this and Hungry, just because of track position, are Hungry. And that car probably will go well there, to be fair. There isn't many opportunities to overtake, and it's, as we know. So, probably here or there. But yeah, that, that's not a bad shot at all, to be fair. Yeah, I'll say Russell, I'll say Verstappen, and then Perez. And then... Uh, yeah, then Leclerc and Sainz. Okay. Hamilton not in there. That is very uh, I think Hamilton is due a mechanical failure at some point. Which is bizarre because Mercedes have yet to have a mechanical failure. They have not. They're due. Unfortunately, yes, they are due. Imagine that they're one, two, like 30 seconds on the road and then the engines go. <laughs> <laughs> so I would be laughing that up on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oof. I... I'm going to go with the old trusty Max Verstappen in first. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say it's going to be very close between him and Lewis. Okay. Perez, 
I don't think will be a factor here. I think it'll just be fourth or fifth with Sainz, and then Leclerc in third, and then Russell just meh. Probably in around that Sainz Perez bell. But the top three is definitely, in some way or shape or form, is Hamilton and Verstappen and Leclerc. Okay, that's a good shout. Uh, did you see that clip this week or the week where uh, Hamilton said he didn't want to clip Leclerc in Cox? Yeah, yeah, doing the rounds. Uh, they, they were. It was. It seemed seemed quite frosty between Hamilton and Verstappen in the in the thing afterwards as well in Austria. Yeah, after what after what was said, yes. Uh, <laughs> you had like obviously like Leclerc and Verstappen chatting it up, you know, as they normally do, but. Kind of just a awkward glance between Hamilton and Verstappen, and you know, like you said, like of the the Verstappen's comments about he finally learned how to hit an apex of thirty seven. Um, He's not wrong though. There's a lot of look. It's a highly just debated topic on Twitter between Leclerc and Hamilton and Leclerc uh, and for Hamilton and Verstappen from from twenty twenty one. It's yeah, uh, and that those comments uh, don't do much to really alleviate any of that. No, they really don't. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it would be spicy if those two are near the top as well. Especially because obviously they fiercely contested this race last year as well, to the end. Yes, it was literally, I saw it on TikTok earlier on, literally second to last lap. Mm-hmm. One of, like I said, one of the better races, more thrilling races of the year. Yeah, they uh, re- they reversed the, the Spain one from that, really. Yeah, pulled the reverse Uno card. Mm-hmm. So oh, that would be interesting if nothing else. But yeah, obviously I I just for the just for the Sky Sports headlines, I just hope that Mercedes don't. But can we talk about how like there has to be some sort of payment involved between Mercedes and Sky Sports because every single Sky Sports headline has Mercedes in some way, shape, or fashion in it, even if they're not relevant. Yeah, like in qualifying, Hamilton crashes out. Okay. Well, that's um, why, that, why that's is... that's fair, but it's more so when they like it's like Hamilton sixth or something. Yeah, it, it, it just no need for Hamilton to be mentioned. I know he's probably the name that brings in the the, the viewers and the clicks and what have you, but just no need, is there? Or Mercedes looking on pace in like FP1 or something. Yeah, it's, it's not. it doesn't tell you anything about who's actually on the pace. It's just like Mercedes look to fight back, back to the front. Can they do it type thing? Yeah, it's, it's like why it's really infuriating because like if you don't if you don't if you're not aware of it like have a challenge yourself have a look at see how many Mercedes how many, how many Mercedes creep into that now it, it might it, this would be the weekend where they actually get on in headlines on merit because yeah but it is it is like if you maybe if you notice if you're you look at Sky Sports and again if we, we we try to encourage you know different outlets here but if if you're relying solely on Sky Sports for your phone coverage. Please, please don't. It's for for your own sake, for education. Yeah, there is a lot better media for F1 news and actually reliable, actually reliable, especially the race and race fans and even motorsport.com, really. There is a lot of good news outlets out there that really pump out actual decent articles compared to Sky who are like, here's Paul DeResta driving around in a Mercedes around France. All right, cool. Thanks, but they like don't actually report a lot of news. Like they only inter- they only really report the news that they think they break. Yeah, they're reporting on stuff that the race have been reporting for two months. Yeah, essentially. You know what I mean? It's like I, I guarantee they'll do an article on the race's video, basically where Alonso's lost how many points? This they they worked out to like sixty or fifty points, mm. I think it was. And I'm sure Mercedes uh, Sky Sports will be uh, straight on that, copying that. Which is so stupid, but yeah. If you, you I, if all you need is racefans.net, motorsport.com, and the hyphen race.com. Those three, yeah. you're, you're covered. You're absolutely good. Now, the news comes from elsewhere, but again, between those three sites, you're, you're absolutely covered for breaking news between either racefans' sources or the race's sources or motorsport.com, post race quotes, quotes on the weekend, uh, after practice quotes, not and not even relating to stuff on the track, you are covered between between those three outlets. You know, that's ninety percent of what we cover basically is from those three outlets, and that is more than enough. It is, it is way more than enough. Do yourself a favor and play Mercedes Sky Sports Bingo. See how many you can get. Yeah, because I guarantee it'll be very very high. 
yeah, they're again, and I know they they are like they are aligned with them in some of their, uh, some of their I don't want to say not partnerships, some of their foundations. Yes, yeah, but so maybe I don't know. Maybe that's part of the agreement or something. I don't know. But yeah, not not saying that Sky what Sky reports is wrong. It's just more favorable towards Mercedes. Is basically what we're saying. Yeah, essentially. So. Uh, and yeah, if and if you don't if you don't like the the t- actually they actually just changed the the tile on the mobile app for uh, Mercedes. It's instead of Hamilton in the silver uh, twenty nineteen overall, they actually recently changed it to the black from the last two years. Now three years, obviously this year. So every other icon, like right now, I'm looking at like Erling Haaland in the city jersey, uh, Rory McIlroy with the golf, Steph Curry NBA. Uh, I think it's Emma Redicanu for tennis. All of these tiles, bar F1, have had different people on it. Hamilton yeah, has been have. there since... I don't, I don't even know how long he's been there for. He must be there since... Since this tile of the system came into place, he's been there. Yeah, I, I imagine been, he has to be. Changed. Everyone else changed. has changed. Like netball, GAA, darts, race, like horse racing, rugby league, rugby union, NFL, cricket... Every single one of these has changed, apart from that uh, F1 one. And, I, and the only change has been you know, he wears a black. He wears the black overalls now instead of the silver ones. <laughs> and I guarantee it will change to George or Norris. I think Norris it, uh, is the next one. I think, yeah, yeah, it will be them too. It won't be the champion or anything like that. No, you, heaven forbid, you put the world champion on if nothing else. Or uh, just put it to race relevant, like France, Ocon. You know what I mean? Or the last race winner or something. Like, Austria, louder, someone like that. It's just something different. But you know, whatever. By yeah. the by. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I was playing. What on earth have you done to yourself? I just need my desk. <laughs> Is that a good sign, maybe, for things to uh, to wrap up? I think so, Graham. I am sort of getting to the point where I can smell myself, so yeah. it's not great, is it? <laughs> oh, dear. So, yes, uh, I do think, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be upset with a George Russell victory, I guess. No, no, it's, it's overdue. It's, it's sort of repayment for uh, Bahrain outer loop, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, it's just, the, it's just the coverage of the whole Mercedes thing is what infuriates me when their drivers are actually close to the front more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, not what they actually achieve. It's just how it's perceived. And yeah, as such. So yeah, it should be. If, uh, again, I'm really looking forward to it. Like, I, I really do think, I know France has been awful on the calendar for, for in 2018, 2019, but I really think this has the potential to be fireworks. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And I, I, I understand there is great scope for immense disappointment, but <laughs> I believe. Anyways. Someone has to. Someone has to, yeah. Someone has to believe in the French Grand Prix if nothing else. Because it, it could be the last one. Like, yeah, like I said earlier on, it's, it was between Belgium and France to lose the race because obviously South Africa is 95% coming in at this point, I think. Yeah, because it hasn't exactly been a triumphant return to the French Grand Prix. They like, I think the best, the, I think the general consensus that the best thing about the French Grand Prix is the trophies. The trophies are now, be- are now nice to track looks. That's about it. Yeah. Oh yeah, you get some great you get some great pictures around Paul Ricard. It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, it, this really could be the future of the French Grand Prix right here. It could be. It actually could be. This could be really depressing. This could be the first track where we really have to see the like the regulations change may decide its future. Immediate, yeah. like immediate future. Yeah, literally, the the, the decision is going to be made because normally. The calendar gets announced mid-season, right? Roughly, I want to say. I know last year we got it a bit earlier, but normally it's Belgium after Belgium in the summer break where they've got a proper yeah. chance to discuss with the uh, the circuits and stuff that where everything's going to go. And obviously the FIA is um, pushing this narrative of where we're going to have everything make a lot more sense in terms of transport Logistics, and, not, yeah. and not go from Miami in May to then go back to Canada a few weeks later, which makes no sense. Well, it was Imola, uh, Miami, uh, Spain, and then we had, what, Baku... Monaco. Monaco, uh, Baku, Canada? Yeah. Makes no sense. Yeah. All about being green and we're going here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. 
Anyways, we'll see how we get on. Uh, that's going to do it for another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. I've been Graham. I've been the drippiest, drippiest boy. <laughs> oh, just... <laughs> uh, it smell me, Graham. It's, it's, it's awful. Yeah, brilliant. I'm watching, by the way, the most ridiculous uh, podium celebration here for Formula E. It's, it's something else. <laughs> Great. Uh, Who won? Uh, da Costa won out of Van Dorn, oh, who is leading the championship. Oh, by, the way, we talk, by the way, very quickly, we spoke of uh, poor title defences for uh, Alex Pelot. Uh, Nick De Vries is arguably much, much worse. I don't think the luck has been on his side from what I've been told. To okay. Because be like, he's not yeah. even like top five or top eight. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think he's been. To be fair, I think his mind's been out elsewhere. Once he's won the title in a, in a B-Tech series, he's not really bothered. Poor chap has won the F2 championship and Formula E, and has like no scope for like an F1 future in, in any sense. Although he did get an FP1 session. Yeah, was considered for the Williams seat, and that's yeah, and yeah, <laughs> Piastri's either there or it's Logan Sargent's. Yeah, and then I'd even say Ricardo's probably got more of a chance. Oh dear, poor chap. Anyways, we shall see you uh, see you next week.